Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. Back with his Tuesday guest, real estate entrepreneur, seven-figure earner, amazing human being, great dad, great husband, Mr. Omar Alfaro. How you doing, sir? What's up, guys? How you doing? What's up, Michael? I'm doing well, man. We teased something at the end of episode one that is going to be a video two here, and that is mistakes happen. You got to learn from, move on. So what I thought we would do here is talk about that. Lessons, either mistakes we have personally made or we have witnessed others make and how we we should learn from them and others should learn from them. But before we do that, if you like the content that Omar and I put out, do me a favor, like, subscribe, share, comment, give us some motivation. Thank Omar for his time. Again, like, share, comment. Um, we, we'd love to get the support. So Omar, what are some of the mistakes that you've done over the last 19 years? I'll share some that I've done because I think, I think sometimes recognizing a mistake, maybe we can, we can stop somebody else from, from making it. So what, what's one that you want to talk about? Well, since this is an investment channel and we talk about buying rentals and flipping and holding and all that other stuff, um, the first thing I would say is when you purchase a property, you know your exit strategy before you buy it, okay? So 100%, I made the mistakes by not understanding this early on, and I was stuck holding the bag. I was stuck, um, ended up selling the property for less money than what we paid for it. And it was a great lesson learned. I lost thousands of dollars. So I would say before you go out and purchase something or negotiate something, you already have an end in mind, meaning you're going to either buy and hold this property. You're going to get some bridge funding. That means you're going to buy it immediately with a small amount of money down, but you know your, your exit. That means you're going to fix it. Then you're going to refinance it, pull out some of your money, the, the classic burr, or you're going to wholesale the deal. You have to know all this stuff because if you don't, this is where problems will happen yeah. and they will happen. And then the minute that you want to get another deal or you want to get three or five um, new projects, how are you going to be able to facilitate those payments if you don't have any income coming in? Yeah. You're That's... banking on one flip to pay for your next four or five, which I'm in there. Michael, you've been there. Oh, yeah. This is a huge, huge part of being the investor that you should understand and know like what your exit is and how you're going to be able to fund the next three, four, five, six months. So that's number one. And then you, and then, yeah, I want to hear something from you too, Michael, because this, I mean, that's just one part. Yeah. I got uh, got three or four things to talk about. Yeah. I got, I, I, I've been noodling a list because this is again, admitting my mistakes. It's, it's just part of the process. We've all made them. I think the first one I made was actually on my very first property. Uh, So I bought it right. Cash flowed all good. Uh, But then I started to recycle my capital. Right. I went back to it to pull out capital so I can buy more stuff. Recycling capital is a huge part of one rental at a time. However, I didn't do the math. I trusted a bank to be conservative, which was a huge mistake. So what I did without knowing it, and I'm a numbers guy, I could have done the math. I was just, I was 
busy, which means I was lazy. And I ended up signing a deal where the mortgage payment was like 1200 bucks, but my rent was 1100. And oh, by the way, I pay property managers and stuff breaks. And basically the story is I created an alligator, right? It's the only picture in my first book, right? No alligators. Don't do that. Right. I, I, and again, this, this, this can be brought to lots of people, a lot of people. And I wrote about it in the book. One guy I knew bought four houses or five houses on purpose to lose money every month. Don't ever do that. Right. Markets change, markets evolve, markets slow down, markets go down. If you are holding negative equity or negative cash flow because of appreciation, you're an idiot. Because who's to say that the market's going to go up again? And if the market turns, you're going to learn what a strategic default is and you'll let them go. Um, so, again, don't buy or create alligators is my number one. Because I got to tell you, I was reminded of that mistake every single month when I said, Great, this property produced 870 bucks. And I've got to write a check for 1200. Congratulations. I worked 17 hours for this flipping house and that pissed me off every month. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's spot on, man. It's so true. Yeah. It's like, and who, who would, who would want to buy to go negative? Yeah. It's just oh, so dumb. So dumb. Even if it's, even if it's a hundred, you know, yeah. and, and I'll share with you, I did buy in 2009 and 10, and I was negative. I was negative $100 a month, $200 a month mm -hmm. at the time. But the market was depressed. It was different. It was one of those strategic purchases because you couldn't, you couldn't rebuild this property for $30 or $40 a square foot, right. $60 a square foot, $70 a square foot. In 2009 and 10, you know what that market was. 2011 was the, just the bottom, bottom of it. Mm. So it was a strategic. And yes, it did, did it play out 100%. But in a market like today, and you're mm. buying for appreciation, and you're barely breaking even, eh, yeah. it's not the smartest move. I'm not doing that deal. No, not today. No. And uh, yeah, and at the time, it was like we were doing fifty thousand dollar houses. I know. So it, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. I mean, you can still rent it out and cover yeah. barely, but still. But yeah, I mean, you know what? Spot on on that one. Um, Very cool. What's number two? Uh, my, my second thing is partnerships. Ah, okay. Okay. Partnerships. Everybody wants to be a partner. Everybody wants to be a JV on the deal that you have on a deal. They're going to bring you on this, on that. You have to understand one thing. I've been in a partnership that, um, that I divorced from. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, I don't know the terminology of a partition it's called. Um, and I, 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 filed a partition. So we're able to remove ourselves from the partnership that we owned a property. I lost $70,000 mm. because of a partner that I thought because of a handshake um, that he was going to hold his end of the bargain. And I got swindled. I had the capital. Mm. Somebody else had the knowledge at the time. And this is super key. If you guys both bring something to the table, great. Have it in writing what everyone's going to be doing. And honestly, if you don't need a JV on a deal, don't. If you can find out, if you can borrow some money, a little extra money mm -hmm. to, um, to finish that deal by yourself, great. But unless things are perfectly in writing and it's a trusted person, then I would say, yes, go into a JV or a partnership, but understand that how about this? Maybe give away a little bit more money 
just for the lead yeah. or just for the opportunity and pay the person off, maybe give them an extra 5k and that's it. Because if you do that, now you're, you're the only partner. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, you may have paid a little bit more money, but I'm telling you like vet the, 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 the JV people or vet your partner very, very well because things could get sideways and it messes up a lot of stuff and you will lose thousands of dollars if you're not careful. Yeah. Losing 70 grand will make you, uh, make you pucker up and go, Hmm, that was no fun. Yeah. My, my number one or my number two, excuse me, is uh, this is so hard to admit, but sometimes your ego gets in the way. Oh, uh, that's a good one, man. Yeah. Sometimes, wow, I yeah, that's yeah sometimes your ego gets in the way. And the best example of this is not me. It's a friend of mine. So I had a friend of mine that was flipping seven figure homes in the Bay area uh, just before the last great recession. And to say that he was printing money was an understatement. I think his average profit on a flip was $225,000. And he was doing them over. Damn, really? Over. Yeah, I mean, the, oh my God. this is the last, because he was, and if you, you, you know, you flip one home and make 225, you're going to feel pretty good. You flip 35 homes and make 225, you're, you're feeling really good, right? So his empire was building, he was doing more and more. And then I remember he tells this story, right? He remembers doing an open house for one of his latest flips and like four people showed up and he's like, Michael, usually we'd have 50. And then usually we'd have an offer by Monday or Tuesday. We'd have multiple offers by Monday or Tuesday. We'd be in negotiation. We'd take somebody by Thursday, Friday was, I mean, he'd been doing this for years in this run up to the crash. And he remembers that first open house. And then he made excuses why nobody showed up. He's like, Oh, it was bad marketing or, or we got lazy. We didn't whatever. Right. Next weekend, nobody shows right. it, two people. And basically, the, as he's telling the story, you could see that the market's shifting on him, but he's not seeing it. He, he's still taking on. What happens is the market's slowing down, so he's selling less and less, but he's still buying crazy amounts, right? And so as it goes on, he's basically, he doesn't take a small loss on one of his properties and slow down. He kept buying, frankly, kept overpaying, and he was getting Overpaid. excited because he's like, man, I'm buying properties that I would normally miss out on, not realizing that the market turned and he was the only bidder. So he's building a portfolio, oh. more and more holding, more and more cost of capital, more and more carry. Then he's not selling anything. And again, his net worth is 10 million plus. His cash flow statement is broken because he's not selling anything. Then the debt structure, then the employees, then this, then the marketing. And pretty soon, it doesn't matter if he's worth 10, bu- 10 million bucks because he can't sell anything. He's ever grande, this Chinese developer on a smaller scale. And pretty soon he's bankrupt and divorced because he got cocky. He didn't take a small loss. He didn't realize that the market was telling him. And he's like, Michael, that first weekend, I should have slowed down. I should have slowed down. When four people showed up and I got no offers, that should have been a sign. But I had my ego wouldn't let me see it. So that's a big one. Oh, that's, that's, that's huge. I want to, I want to talk about this. Um, I wrote down overpaying. Yeah. Like he was overpaying or he was not even overpaying. He was winning the bid because there was no other competition. And he didn't realize it. Right. He was, he was writing. Cause again, his, his, he was, he was the deal finder, right? And he had team. This is what killed him, right? He had all this overhead and all these other things doing, but his job was to find the deals. And in the past, he says, hey, I was one of 10, one of 15, and I was getting like one out of every six deals. 
He said that after that one open house, he was getting one out of every two. And he said, oh, that's that, a problem. Yeah. He said that should have been a red flag, but he thought he just got better. Again, he let his ego get so big that he just didn't see it. And pretty soon he smashed and burned. And, and, and the price point, it wasn't the median. No, it was. Uh, two, three, four hundred K above the median. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. I mean, it's probably half okay. a million bucks above the median. That's all he played okay. in. Yeah. Let's see that. If that's all you played in the luxury aspect of real estate, you know, to, to flip and yes, your quarter million dollars, $200,000 flips. Yes. It's nice, but is it, I'm not going to say, is it safe? Yes. At the time, if he's doing 10 or 20 deals at 250, yeah. I mean, he's made $5 million. Yes. You know? So it's like, wow. Okay. That's phenomenal. Right. But there's going to be an end. Right. So that's a really, really good, um, um, this topic about ego. Um, and, and it happens at, at every scale, oh, every, every level I, I want to mention every yeah. scale. Yeah. Yeah. And, and because of this, because of what we're talking about, um, like you want every single deal. I want every deal. I want to keep every deal, but you just said a couple words right now that I picked up on that you're going to keep, he's, he's keeping these properties, but his cash flow statement, because there's not. Um, any more money coming in from flipping the homes and he's yep. keeping them, the holding costs will bury you. Oh, holding costs, employee costs, marketing costs, none of that stuff stopped in his cash flow. Folks, everybody wants to talk about net worth. Everybody wants to talk about income. It doesn't matter. If, you, if whatever generates income for your business stops, you're going to die. Try to hold your breath for 20 minutes. You're going to die. Th that right there is your blood flow. You, your blood flow stops, you will die. You're done. You're exactly. done. Exactly. All right. One, one more. What's, what's your last one you want to highlight? I wrote down. Boom. Okay. Okay. Let's see. All right. Um, stay in your lane. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. The focus aspect of it, right? We went focus, discipline, execution, accountability. Like you, you, you want to be able to stay in your lane and, and does it mean you're going to have shiny objects? Yes. But is it like master one Avenue? Like there's so many things happening right now. And this mm -hmm. is why you're successful, Michael, because there was not a lot of shiny objects back then. And if there were if social media didn't exist, mm -hmm. you were just plugging away, knowing your market, buying rentals, adding the portfolio. And this is where you're at now. Mm -hmm. That's a, a lot of people in, in, in that era have, done the same you know other people that we talk to on, mm -hmm. on on a like larger scale and right now there's so many uh shiny objects on your path yeah. it's like this car that car this car but focus on what you need to take care of first focus on the avenue of your business my my opinion like yeah. you got to focus on your path become really good at being the best real estate agent. So people know you, right? So you can have income coming in. So then you're able to buy investment properties. Okay. Mm -hmm. And and then you're able to double and triple and quadruple your net worth and, and, or your income. If you are uh, a, a nine to five employee focus on your nine to five, right? You'd be really, really good at it. Hopefully you're in sales so you can elevate the amount of income you make. But then after, after the nine to five, you focus on your new craft, being that investor, finding that, that first rental, hence one rental at a time. This is why you're plugging in, like focus on that Avenue. It's not going to just jump at you. 
unless you put the work in, unless you daily discipline, like we talk about, mm -hmm. unless you understand your buy box in your specific area. So overall, I'd say stay in your lane until you get something and then you want to level up because you feel like you mastered it. Yeah. So my right. final one that I made a mistake on is I assumed, um, and again, I'm a full-time employee, six figures, all of that back in the day. And I assumed that bank lending would always be there. Banks get nervous. Banks get scared. Banks tighten up. Banks do this. Banks do that. There was a time, folks, during the crash that banks would only do four loans and then they wouldn't do any more. Um, so again, banks banks get uh, get tight. So something that really exploded our growth was the ability to uh, do hard money. We yell, we I do. I was paying twelve percent three points at one point, and uh, then we had private money, uh, which was a game changer. So again, grow your network. Don't always assume banks will say yes because they get nervous too. Uh, but yeah, this, this has been a fun conversation, man. Uh, how can people find you guys follow me, um, on IG at Omar underscore Alfaro or omaralfaro.com. Thanks buddy.